Thank you for joining New Life Fellowship Podcast today. We are a church desiring to expand the kingdom of God by making disciples. We pray that this message inspires you, build your faith, and hope that it will give you perspective to see that our God is moving in your life. Hope you enjoyed the message. Hi, church. How are you guys doing? Man, can we give a hand for the choir team again? That was... Wow! Man, that is hard to follow up, but man, the Word of God is more powerful, amen? Amen to that. Um, I just want to welcome you guys here today. If, if it's your first time here, if you're new, uh, we welcome you uh, to New Life Fellowship. My name is Pastor Mingok. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. And what, if you're new here again, uh, we have been going through a sermon series called Crazy Stupid Wise. I know the word stupid isn't there, but it is very necessary for this sermon series. Um, you know, as, as you guys may know, uh, Pastor Eric has been speaking such wonderful messages uh, for the past two weeks about uh, this, this sermon series. In week one of the series, we talked about how wisdom is the ability to discern between right and wrong to discern between right and wrong. And then last week, uh, he, he spoke on how wisdom is the ability to look at reality for what it is, for what it is. And so what we're going to be talking about this week, we will be looking at how wisdom is the ability to trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And this is a very famous passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and it says that, that trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Now, if I can go a little bit deeper into this, when I talk about trust, trusting is not an easy thing to do for some of us here. Trusting may not be easy because for us, it may require us to be vulnerable. And because we're vulnerable, there's a chance, there's a, there's a risk for us to be hurt in that relationship. And so let me ask you today, for many of us who have that trouble of trusting, have you ever had the chance where you had to trust in something And experience the joy in trusting in it. Have you ever had to trust in something and experience the joy in trusting in it? And let me tell you, I've experienced this very thing with roller coasters, okay? With roller coasters. And recently, I went to California Adventure for the very first time with some of my friends. And I don't know if you've been there, but there's this one ride that we went on. The first ride that we went on, it's called the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Have you heard of that ride? Amen to that? Amen? Yeah, kind of, okay. That was pretty weak. Okay, but in this ride, what, what, what it was is that, like, whenever I, whenever I think of roller coaster rides and stuff like that, I kind of get skeptical. You know, uh, one of my fears is heights, right? And so I get really, really scared. And so what I did is that I immediately started asking different questions of, like, you know, uh, you know is, 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 uh, is this, can I trust this ride? Can I trust this ride? Can I trust in the architect that made this ride? Did did he or she really focus on every single detail of this ride that I could really trust this ride? And then my mind started going into some dark place and I started thinking about like, what is the death count of this ride? Right? I started thinking about this. So what I started to do is I started to Google this. I started to Google what is the death count on Guardians of the Galaxy ride? And when I looked this up, the death count... It's zero. It's zero. And so because it was zero, I started thinking, okay, maybe I could trust in this ride. Maybe I could believe that, okay, my life will be okay after this ride. And so we went on this ride. And let me tell you, this ride was the best ride at California Adventure. 
the best ride. If you ever go there, please go on this ride. It is amazing. I have a picture of this. Of this. this is the definition of joy, okay? The definition of joy is really bad, really bad quality, but this, this is exactly what I felt on this ride, is fire, it's passion. But in today's reading, the, re- the reason why I talk about this is because we read of Solomon's blessing to the Israelites. And you can take that photo out, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we will be reading of Solomon's blessing to the Israelites, but not strictly just a blessing, but it's a, it's a prayer for the continuing close relationship between God and his people. And in this, the trust that is built through wisdom. So today what we'll be reading is we're going to be reading from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 54 to 61. So if you can open up your Bibles or your, your, your Bible apps, and if you're able, please stand with me in the reading of God's word. This is the word of God. Now as Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with hands outstretched towards heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts towards him, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine with which I have pleaded before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain the the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. Church, join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much, Father, for this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to preach your word. Father, I pray at this very moment that, Lord, I would decrease and you would increase. Father, I I pray for the word of God, Lord, just to penetrate in every heart and soul in this place. Father, we pray for the the Christian and the non-Christian and uh, just those who have been unchurched, de-churched, broken, hurts. Father, we pray that, Lord, that the word of God would be preached today. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. So as as I start this message today, I do want to lay down a question for us. I want to ask you guys a question. How many of us have ever experienced empty promises before? Can I hear an amen? Amen to that, right? How about this? How about I ask you this? How many of us have given empty promises, given empty promise to others? Can I hear an amen to that? Amen, right? Empty promises, what what this is, is a promise that is either not going to be carried out, worthless, or meaningless, So I think this is going to probably resonate for some of the parents here, right? And so how many of the parents here have heard this from your own kid before? I promise that I will take care of the dog if you buy me one. Amen to that, right? I've heard that many times because I was one of them. I was the kid before to my parents. And I remember as, as, as for, for me, like, you know, like, these kids who ask this very thing that they promise, they have no idea of the amount of energy and time that goes into taking care of a dog, 
right? Like the first two to three years, man, you got to take care of that dog. That, that dog's got to be your, like your own child. Like you have to take care of it. You have to be with it. You have to poop with it, pee with it, everything, right? You have to do everything. And not only that, you have to think about the finances. Oh, geez, the finances, right? You think about the food. You think about going to the vets. You think about the toys. And not only that, you think about all the shoes that dog is going to chew on, right? All those horrible things. And you start to realize, oh, my gosh, this is so much money that goes into it. And these kids have no idea of the time and effort that goes into taking care of a dog. But they still promise it. They still promise it. Not only that, like how about this one? I promise, I promise I will practice my instruments if you buy me one, right? If you buy me one, little do they know how much time goes into practicing your instrument. Like seriously, not everyone is just naturally talented. Talent usually comes from practice. But when they start to realize how difficult the, the grinding of practicing their instrument day after day after day, they start to dwindle away from their promises. And what we start to realize is that promises oftentimes feels so empty. It doesn't feel real anymore. And so this leads me to some of the major, major promises that God gives to us in today's passage. Because as Solomon prayed, he was praying for God's commitment to, be, to come back to his people. And it's in this prayer that we see the wisdom of Solomon in this time of dedication. Because he says in verse 56, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, According to all that he promised, not one word has failed. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. Now, this word is so true. This word is true and a promise that not one word has failed. Not one word has failed. God's word does not fail. There's not even one single word that has failed. Everything God says and promises, he will fulfill. We can run that to the bank with this very truth that his promises do not fail. Yes, this is true. This is true. But for many of us in this place, let's be a little bit more reflective about this. Because I ask you today and I ask myself, are we standing on the promises of God? Are we standing on the promises of God? And maybe some of you in this place are probably thinking like, what are his promises? What are his promises? And if you're with me today, we just read on some of his promises here. Because verse 57 says, The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us. And this he promises us that he will never leave us or forsake us. In verse 58, that's, he says that he may incline our hearts to him. What he's promising is that he will draw near to us as we draw near to him. We must have faith that his word does not fail. We must have faith. But the reality is, is that many of us really struggle with the reality of our anxiety. Anxiety. It is so real and present today that even though we believe that his word never fails, we still live in anxiety. Because you really ask the question, how often do we worry? How often do we worry? Now, we often talk about millennials, right? We talk about millennials, but how often do we actually talk about Gen Z, <laughs> right? 
It's the high school age, those who are in high school, those who are in college. It's the Gen Z. And for this generation, man, there's so many promises, great promises for this generation. You've had options that many generations before have never had. But what they say in recent history is that this has become the most stressed generation. The most stressed generation. You worry about everything. You think about which college you should go to because you have the options to think about which college you can go to. And on top of that, you start to think about, am I going to have to take student loans? Am I going to have, and if I graduate, will I be able to pay off my loans? And on top of that, you now start to think about marriage, right? Marriage. You think about, am I going to meet the right person? Back in the day, people just got set up. Now you can choose whoever and wherever, right? You have options, there's apps and everything. And so you think about this and you start to think, man, there's so many different options available. And, but let's, let's talk about those who are married. Those who are married. I'm not married, but, uh, you know, I've done some research. <laughs> and I've realized that some marriages, they start to think that, like, after some years, they start to think that, did I marry someone crazy? Did I marry someone just that I just wasn't supposed to be with? Right? Or... Am I crazy because she's crazy, right? You start to think this, and I don't know. You start to then think about your job. You, do, you start to think about, like, you know, your car going into the shop, and you, you start to think about maybe you have kids who are teenagers, and they're driving you nuts, right? And as you're getting older, your parents are aging, and you start to stress about their health. And there's just so much uncertainty in the world that you start to wonder, is it even possible not to worry? With this in mind, Scripture says to us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Present your requests to God. And so I'm going to lay down some three facts about what Solomon was building, and the following are, the first one is this. Solomon builds his prayer life in God's nearness. Number two, Solomon builds commitment in God's promises. And finally, Solomon builds the church in God's protection. Because you start to see, you start to see in the, in the beginning of just building this temple, there's all this furnishing of the temple in chapter 7. And you start to see all the different details that are into this temple. And in this time, you start to also see that it took seven years, seven long years to build this temple. And keep in mind, there, there were a thousand, thousands of workers who are supporting this. So, man, when you think about this temple, this was no small project. And then in chapter 8, you start to see this dedication of the temple, the dedication of the temple. And he starts to pray all these prayers and dedicates the temple to the Lord. And now we're in verse 54, and we see the ending of this prayer. And I just have to ask, like, how amazing it, how amazing is it that we even have the ability to communicate to God? Like, we tend to forget that amazing grace, right? That we even have the ability to communicate, communicate to God. But even with this amazing grace, we still have many doubts in our life. In our, in our daily life, we have doubts and doubts and doubts. And when you pray, we know that we shouldn't be doubting. We actually should be praying with belief. But for some of us, we are constantly doubting that God is capable of doing all things. Here's some thoughts that I, I believe that why we doubt. 
And one of the thoughts is that perhaps the prayer you are praying, you don't believe God did answer because his answer to you was a no, and so you don't see the results that you were hoping for, right? You're praying for something, hoping that God will give you some type of result, what you're expecting, but then his answer is not exactly what you expected. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Like, for example, just to kind of let us understand, like for some of us here, I don't know if you prayed this prayer, but maybe you did one time in your life. But you've prayed the prayer, Lord, may I win the lottery. May I win the lottery because you don't know. Because uh, if I won the lottery, then I would, I would just give 10% to the church. And this is going to change the world, right? And when someone hears your prayer, someone on the side starts to hear it. You know what, Lord, I'm going to pray for 12%. I'm going to give 12% to the church. And it becomes a competition, right? And in this competition, someone else hears it and they say, I'm going to give 50% to the church. And wow, that's going to change the world. And in these prayers, we start to pray these things because we're expecting that, you know, God, yeah, God, give me something and I'll give something back to you. But God is saying this, you're not praying according to my will. Because the Pharisees did this all the time. The Pharisees would go out, they would stand out in the corners of the street, and they would just be like saying, hey, watch this, watch this, watch me. Hey, our Lord is this great, blah, blah, blah. And they would start to just do these loud and showy prayers. And they didn't do it for the sake of the heart of God, but they did it for for the applaud of people. Because maybe you don't really, maybe you don't really believe that God is going to answer your prayer because the result is not what you hope for. And I want to be real careful dealing with this topic because I need to be mindful that some of you in this place are really just in very difficult situations in your own spiritual walk because of what you're going through. But I think that we'll make some progress talking about this because Mark chapter 9 It's a really important story about a dad who had a a son that was possessed by by an evil spirit. And now, for me, because I'm not a father of my own, but like, you know, I can only imagine the difficulty for a father to see his own son going through such an ordeal like this. I can only imagine. But in this, we see that the father, because of this emotional burden, he's just yelling out, man, I will do anything. I will do anything. So Jesus comes around and the guy is like, hey, Jesus, if you can do anything, if you can do anything about this man, please do. And we see how Jesus responds in Mark chapter 9, 22. And the dad says, but you, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But when this man said this, you can kind of hear Jesus in his heart of hearts that maybe he's kind of offended that maybe something about him, he's like just appalled by this man's uncertainty of who God is, of God's power. So Jesus responds back, if you can, if, if I can. And Jesus is like, do you like have any idea who I am? And in this, he says, he follows this by saying, all things are possible for whom? He says, all things are possible for one who believes. For one who believes. And again, I want to be very careful. And I want to say this. 
Your faith matters when you pray. It does. Your faith matters when it prays. Over and over again, Jesus says it was done unto them according to their faith. It says that in Matthew 29, 9. It's impossible to please God without faith. If you have just a little bit of faith, you can say to the mountain, be removed. Your faith matters. It truly matters. But the challenge is, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christian who really don't believe God is going to do anything when they pray. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this story, this old classic story of the pastor and the bar owner. And in this story, there is this pastor and, the, and the, there's this bar that is just right across the street of this church. And this pastor is furious because of this. And he's like, they're selling alcohol. This is the devil's drink, right? And so he's like becoming super, like uh, just angry about this. So what he does, what this pastor does is that he ends up bringing the church together to pray against this bar, right? And in this prayer, he's praying that God would have his way. That one day, God will have his way. So one day what happened is that the lightning came and it struck the bar down and it burned to the ground. And so the bar owner got so furious and so he wanted to sue the church. He wanted to sue the church. And so they were standing before the judge and the judge asked them, what happened? What happened? And the bar owner said, this pastor prayed and because of his prayers, God struck us. God struck us. And the pastor's like, no, 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 no. We didn't mean anything by that. It was just a harmless prayer meeting. That's not why lightning struck. It's not our fault. And then the bar owner's like, yes, it is. It's your fault. It's your fault. And the judge just looked and said, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Here we have a bar owner that believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. A bar owner who believes in the power of prayer, but a, bar, a pastor who doesn't. Now, the reality is, is that if we have God in mind, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, then he will hear us. Then you'll probably respond to me, well, that's very difficult to do. But the thing is, if you really jumble it down, it really isn't that difficult because, man, let me tell you, the word of God is the will of God. The word of God, the very word of God is the will of God. And how often do we diligently pray for people to be saved? Because that's the will of God. How often do we pray for people to go out and spread the gospel? Because that's also the word of God. But here's the thing, though. For many of us, you know, we may have hit a hard spot in our finances. So we begin to do what? We start to doubt. We start to doubt. And now I understand that sometimes finances, like, it, you know, it could be because of our carelessness, right? But sometimes we hit a bump in the road and it's just simply out of your control. Like you think about health insurance because I talk about health insurance because all health insurances are different. And one day you go to the doctors and you walk, you go back home and you receive your bill and you, you have to give this large sum of money. And out of nowhere, because you had to give all this money away, you, you realize, oh my gosh, there's so much complications with our finances. I don't know how we're going to live the next day. But when I think about this, I, I look at scripture and how God speaks to us and hears us. 
And he does promise to us in scripture that he will help us in times of need. He will help us in time. I mean, there's so many promises in scripture of him telling you to pray, to pray without ceasing, to watch and pray. We ought to pray and continue in prayer and not stop praying. Because the very fact is, is that he just wants to communicate with you. He wants to communicate with you. And Solomon here ends his prayer, but you look at just the length of his prayer. It's amazing. It's astonishing. Because some thoughts run in my mind when I look at this, and you kind of think about how there's billions of people on the earth. And let's just say, like, hypothetically, there's billions of, there's one billion of Christians on earth, right? And let's just say that all, let's just imagine that all one billion Christians just knelt down and started praying. Now you tell me that our God isn't powerful. Now you tell me that our God isn't powerful. He says that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. He didn't say one at a time, but he can hear every single one of us, no matter how many people end up starting prayer, praying all at one time. So we must have faith that his word does not fail, so we pray in his nearness. Next point, number two, is Solomon builds commitment in God's promises. Solomon builds commitment in God's promises. Now, we, we've established this, that the promises of God have not failed, will not fail, and won't ever fail. Commitment to God, God's promises is an insurance. It's an assurance for us. It really is. But let me ask you, how many believe the warranty on a box when you receive it, Right? Satisfaction guarantee. Do you believe that? Satisfaction guarantee. Or what about this? Money back guarantee, but no questions asked. Right? Money back guarantee, no questions asked. When I was signing up for a gym membership, right? The first thing they told me is that if you want to cancel your membership, we won't ask any questions. There won't be any problems. Just join. Just join. I was like, sure, I'll I'll come. Might as well, right? And so I signed up, but then like because I moved and everything and the gym was too far, I wanted to cancel the membership. But what I started to realize is that the phone conversation was going a little too long, right? And I started trying to cancel uh, my membership, but they started asking questions. What are your reasons for canceling? What are your reasons for canceling? Then they would talk to me about like other options, about other plans so I could keep my membership with them. And then finally, the worst one was, they asked me, are you sure you want to cancel your membership? Are you sure? Oh, yeah, I called because I wanted to cancel my membership. That's why I called. But you're asking me because you want me to stay, and you lied about your guarantee that you won't ask me. And as silly as this is, there is so much assurance in the following. When God commits something, it won't be broken. When God commits something, it won't be broken. Because we consider the confidence that Solomon had in God. Verse 57. He knew that God would not leave or forsake them, right? We see that in verse 57. He knew that they, he would not leave them or forsake him. But he also knew that God would incline his hearts towards them. And so in this, we look at it and we ask the question, how many of you know somebody who have walked away from God before? How many of us know somebody who have walked away from God before? Because there are many reasons as to why they do, but what it often comes down to is that 
the reason why they walk away from God is because they think God was not near. That God is not near. But I can't tell you how many times as a college pastor when I meet with students, when I often hear from other students talking about other friends who are walking away from, from Christ, walking away from the church, walking away from their faith, how often I hear because they're feeling like God is not near, because their faith was not their own, that there are so many students, so many kids walking away from their faith because they feel like God was not near, that God was the enemy. And in my heart, this breaks my heart. This breaks my heart. Because for so many of us, we're hearing the lies rather than going to the truth of God. And we see so many hearts and souls choosing to walk away from God because they just see so much wretched stuff in this world that they're just asking, where are you, God? But I want to bring us to an encouragement today. And I want to share a story of Elijah. A story of when God met Elijah. And, this, and we read in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 to 12, and I'm just going to read it for us. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, a gentle breath. The earth shook, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. The wind howled, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. The fire raged, but the Lord was not in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire, but the Lord was in the whisper. The Lord was in the whisper. The Lord was in the breath. The Lord was near. And my point from this is this, is that God was not in the remarkable. God was in the ordinary. God was not in the remarkable, but God was in the ordinary. Because when we're hurting, when we're afraid, when we're overwhelmed, we ask the question, why doesn't God sometimes speak in loud ways? Why does God whisper? Let me say this. He whispers because he's close. He whispers because he's close. Why does our God whisper? He whispers to draw us near. The devil, on the other hand, shouts his lies. His voices of condemnation, accusation. You'll never be enough. You'll never make it through. You'll always be on your own. These lies that he yells at you. But God whispers. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I am always with you, even till the ends of age. I'm always good. I'm working in all things. Nothing shall separate you from my love. Nothing, neither height nor depth, darkness, nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That is his whisper to you. Why does God whisper? Because the Lord is near. He whispers because he's close. And so because of this, we can build our commitment in God's promises. Let me tell you. Let me read some passages that really establish this. Joshua 21, 45. Not one word of all, of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. 
Joshua 23, 14. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. And finally, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the love Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Brothers and sisters, when you walk out of here, we don't just have any God, but we have the God who keeps his promises. The God that will serve you, the God that will not fail you, the God that will not forsake you. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, he is your God, he is your Father, he is there for you, and he will not fail you. But for many of us, we still struggle with this. Who here has been in that place where things have not gone exactly as planned? And I can assure you in this, when you're in those seasons, in those moments, God still wants to hear from you. God still wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you when things are going well and when things are not going well. He wants to help carry you through the hardships. Stand confident in who God is and stop standing confidently in what we know or who we are because that will fail you. But God's word does not fail. Stand confident in who God is. Build your commitment in God's promises. And last point is this. Solomon builds the church in God's protection. Solomon builds the church in God's protection. Scripture teaches us a wonderful lesson that God cares enough about us to protect us. We can trust in him in this, that he cares enough about us to protect us. That, in my mind, I'm telling you, is very comforting. It is so comforting that he's there for me on my behalf. There isn't a time where he isn't open to me. There isn't a time where he is far away. He's willing to listen to me and to speak to me. But there are times when we choose to walk away from God and we put ourselves in harm way when we reject him. His protection is there for you, but many times we often just choose to reject his protection. And in this mess, we end up choosing to blame God because of our own doing. It could be something so simple You're praying for God to do something. You know he can, but he doesn't end up doing it. He doesn't take your hardships away or he doesn't answer your prayer for your kid or your hardship that you're going to and you're trying your best. You're doing everything that's good and you're helping people. You're working hard, but everyone else around you seems to be doing better than you. No matter how hard you try, you don't seem to get anything that works for you. Whatever it is, you start to ask yourself, man, God, where are you? Are you even there? Are you good? I want to believe in you, but you don't even seem to care. I want to believe in you, God, but it seems like you don't care about me. Now, if you've ever been in that place, if you've ever felt like that, let me tell you, you are not the only person that's going through that. You are not the only person going through that at all. In fact, a lot of times we even see in Scripture 
many Bible characters that we look up to, that we really respect and honor, that these very same people dealt with some very real emotions, some very real hurts that many of us have gone through. I can go down the list. We think about King David, somebody who was after, a man after God's own heart, right? But even in the mess that he was in, he cries out again and again, where are you, God? Why don't you hear my prayers? Why don't you do something? My enemies are after me, God. Why aren't you doing anything? Another example that we think of, and this this hits home for me, is that John the Baptist. John the Baptist in the New Testament. And we read about John the Baptist, and we, we know that he's the cousin of Jesus. And we're recognizing the very importance of his life. The, the purpose of his life is that he was preparing the way for Jesus. He was preparing the way for Jesus. And that's his very purpose, that he, he was going to do everything and everything possible to support Jesus, to make God known. And he would tell everybody, Jesus is coming, everybody, everybody, he's coming. Repent of your sins. Be baptized. You know, Jesus is coming. And because he was such a great leader, people would end up following him. But in his humility, he would say, don't follow me, follow Jesus. And that humility, he lived such a humble life that he would just say, I'm unworthy to tie his shoes. But we see in scripture that later on in his life, he ended up going to prison. He went to prison. And you can only think what he's thinking, like, I'm the cousin of Jesus. You know, I did all the things for Jesus. I worked hard. I sacrificed my life for him. But look, I'm here in prison, and Jesus, he will probably save me, right? He'll probably come, and he'll probably save me, and I'm expecting him to get me out of this situation. But what we end up seeing is that he ends up waiting. He starts waiting more, starts waiting more. He starts asking the question, Jesus, where are you? Are you coming? He starts waiting more. He starts waiting more. And it comes to the point where he asks one of the other guys in prison, hey, can you go find Jesus and ask him, are you really the one that we were expecting or should we look for someone else? What happened? God, look, you've called me to live for you. I've done all these things for you. You have saved, you've you've healed a blind, you've healed blind eyes, you brought the dead to life, you did all these miracles. Why can't you bring me out of prison? God, where are you? Do you even care? If you've ever been at that place where you wanted to believe, but it didn't seem like God cared, you're not the only one. But scripture says that he is maintaining his servant's cause at all times. It says that in 1 Kings 8.59. And what this means is that he's watching out for you at all times. He's watching out for you at all times. I know for a fact that the feeling of being unprotected by God brings fear. If we think that God is not protecting us anymore, that brings fear. Because not knowing makes you uncomfortable, right? Not knowing makes you uncomfortable. It's that not knowing syndrome, right? I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know what my future is going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to take care of my child. It's these things of, I, I don't know what's going to happen. That's going to, that brings discomfort to our souls. And what happens is that we start to tell ourselves these things and we start to believe in these things, even though they may not be so, even though they may not be true. And so we allow ourselves to get to that place that get us so worked up and so uncomfortable that we start to believe these lies. 
I'm going to say that not knowing makes us uncomfortable. But knowing that the Lord is near, that should comfort our hearts. That the Lord is near, that he's close to us, that he's protecting us. James 4, 7-10 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. God cares about you. God is protecting you. You know, I think about a story when I was a kid. I think about a time, you know, I didn't grow up really having a great relationship with my father. uh, But now, you know, as I've grown older, that relationship has healed. That We've been able to reconcile and we've been able to have a deeper relationship. And I I love that man to death. There was a time when I was young and his health wasn't doing well because he was stressing so much at work. And he, he, he owned an auto shop and he just physically a laboring job. He would work hours and hours and hours, and there would be days when I wouldn't see him because he would come home so late. But I remember when he was getting so physically tired and so physically sick that there was one day when my mom and him were at home, and he just all of a sudden fainted. He fainted. He passed out, and like my mom was just freaking out. She's so scared, and she called 911. ER came, and they went to, um, they went to, um, uh, they went to the ER, and... Um, and what ended up happening is that, like, my mom called me, and I was, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, is up okay? Is up okay? So I'm, I'm a, my mom is like, he's just laying in bed. He's laying in bed, and he's, he's, he has, like, 100, 100, 300, 4 degree temperature. And we were scared that he was going to lose his life. And I remember when I came to the hospital, and I remember as soon as I went around the corner, I went to the room. I remember just the, the image that I saw, and I saw my mom. It's usually my dad embracing my mom, but I, th- this time I saw my mom embracing my dad. And I saw her crying, and I saw her holding on to him, just praying that he would just be healed, that praying that, if God, if it's in your will, bring healing upon him. We don't want to lose him. I remember how much fear we had, but I knew that in that moment, My dad, he knew that my mother was by his side. He knew that his wife, his 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 wife was with him, that his wife was there protecting him. And that brought comfort to his soul. And now I talk about my mother and I talk about how much her love is for my father. But compare that with how much more God cares for you and wants to protect you. Think about that. Because the truth is we have a great God. We have a God who protects and will go according to what he considers best for us. And this may be very difficult for for some of us to accept, but we must start having faith that God is capable of doing all things. But not only that, but he's doing that to the best according to his will. That it's not about my will, but it's about the will of God. Keep in mind that prayer is not so much about my wants as it is as for God's will. It's not, God, do what I want, do what I want. I want this, I want that. Answer my prayer as much as it is getting to know God. 
So anytime that I pray and something doesn't go the way I want, or there's a big prayer need that I have, I honestly, I try to think of the story that, and I hope that this speaks to you. And it's in Daniel chapter 3, and it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And three teenage boys that stood before King Nebuchadnezzar. These three teenage boys standing in front of King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar is telling these boys, bow down and worship our God. Renounce your God from throwing you into the fiery furnace. And these guys, these boys facing death, okay? We're, we're talking about some real problems. We're not talking about first world problems. We're talking about their livelihood. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us. He is able and he will. He is able and he will. He is able and he will. But even, but even if he doesn't, we will not serve your God. We will not serve your gods. This is something that I've heard from a pastor, and I want you guys to hear this, and I, I, I pray that you guys write this down, but this is what he said. From this story that we just read, he said, I believe God can. I believe God can, because I believe all things are possible with God, and he can answer my prayer. But on top of that, I believe God will. I believe God will. I believe he is a good God who desires to bless his children. I believe he can. I believe he will. But if, even if he doesn't, I still believe. I still believe. Even if he doesn't, I still believe. Solomon built the church with this in mind, that God's protection will always be for my good according to his will. And finally, I want to end with this. I want to ask the question, do you know what our role and responsibility as the church is? Let me ask, do you know what our role and responsibility as the church is? Because I'm telling you, it's not only to make friends. It's not, it's, it's not only about having a stable job. It's not only about making money. It's not, a, it's not about being just a community of friends. The role and responsibility of the church is that all earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. This is the role, of the role and responsibility of the church, is that all the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Because if we trust in God and not doubt, then the world can actually know and glorify our God through our trust. Isn't that amazing? Just our witness, just our trust in the Lord, that people, when people see that that, that, that will attract them to our faith, that that will attract them to the love of God. That's why we're here. That's why we exist as the church, as the body of Christ, is that God's name may be known. When I look at this Solomon dedicating the temple... It was reminding the people of God and all that God has done and did and his dedication. And I tell you that Solomon, his only desire when he lifted up this prayer 
is this. Will you walk closely with the Lord and trust in him? Will you walk closely with the Lord and trust in him? Let's reflect our lives by the way he built wisdom. Build your prayer life in God's nearness. Build your commitment in God's promises. And build the church in God's protection. I'm going to end with this passage. And when when God's hand is on you, when he's speaking to you, I want you to turn to 1 Peter 5, 7 to 10. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Now, this is not talking about in the sense of being sober from being drunk, but this is more about self-control. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace. How much grace? All grace. Who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You can walk in the assurance of God's protection. Why? Because his word does not fail. You can assure in his nearness. You can assure in his promises. And you can assure in his protection. Now for the gospel message, for if you're not a believer of Christ, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. And I just want to say this. Christ was the word of God made flesh. And though it seemed like he had failed, he triumphed over sin and death. And through his death and resurrection, we are saved. And so we welcome all different lifestyles here. And we pray that truly you would be near to our Lord who is near to us. Amen. Amen. Church, join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much, Father, for your word. Father, as I've asked that question, will you walk with him closely and trust in him? I know for many of us in this place have may have been living a lukewarm life, not really committed into giving our lives to you, being a living sacrifice that our bodies, that our every word, every action, that Father, we don't lift these things up to you. But Father, I pray that Lord, that today that your word convicted our hearts, that your grace is sufficient, that no sin is greater than the work of Christ. And we believe this in faith, that you are victorious, that you are victorious, that every battle that we face, we are facing it in victory because we are in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that every heart and soul in this place will believe in this, that it would not just be knowledge, but, Father, I pray for the wisdom of Christ to be in our hearts, that we would ask for wisdom, that we would ask for your guidance, and that, Lord, that you would lead us and that we would be obedient to your word. Father, I pray that you would encounter us today. Open up our hearts. 
Father, it's not about me. It's not about the person that's up here. It's all about the word of God. So I pray that it is your word that is spoken today. So Father, may may you have your way in us. May we walk in your goodness today. We thank you. It's in your name we pray.